You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Carlos Malatesta, CEO of Apex Energies, the third largest independent solar energy producer in France. He's also a coach, philanthropist, adventurer, and a loving husband and father. Carlos, welcome to the show today. Hello. Welcome, everybody. Very happy, excited to be here with you. So tell us a little bit about Apex Energies. What's your 30-second elevator pitch? Yes. Apex Energy is an independent energy producer. We actually installed solar modules on rooftops and transform the energy from the sun into electricity that can be used in the houses, in businesses, or injected to the grid. Amazing. And we are one of the pioneers. We've been doing this business for 30 years. And actually, we, we celebrated our anniversary three weeks ago. Oh, happy anniversary. 30 years as a pioneer in the solar energy field in Europe. That's incredible. So it, with all of us, what's your favorite part of your job? That's a very good question. I will say that what I like the most is working with people, influencing people. That's what I love the most. Because I think that if you can influence your team, this is where you can create more value in the company, right? You cannot do everything by yourself. I cannot sell, build, finance, operate plants. I need a team to do that. And my capacity to get the best out of these people, to influence them to succeed, is what I think creates more value in the company. So I love it. What is the mission that you feel like everyone in the company unites around getting everybody on board? We are doing something amazing for the environment. So this, uh, we are producing green energy, solar energy. That's something that a lot of the people that works with us love. But I think it's, it goes beyond that. It's actually the, the environment that we have in the company. And that is felt when we are doing interviews for new candidates, new hires. They see how we live. They see how we share. And I think that somehow this company culture is the most valuable thing. It's what creates Apex, Apex, how it is today. Is there one thing in particular that you think is unique about the culture at Apex? Maybe it's, it's around our values, which is having fun. It's a solidarity. It's working together. And it's caring. It's excellence. And this combination of things, I think, is the key formula, the, the secret sauce for, yeah. <laughs> for the success of the company. I like that. The values of fun, solidarity, and excellence. That's a cocktail recipe that I haven't heard in those three pieces, but I think it really makes a beautiful sense of the quality, but also the human connection and the overall energy of the company, both in what you produce internally and externally. So that's a really great way to put it. I think I would want to be part of that company as well. <laughs> now, with everything that you're doing, and now that you've had your first 30 years, we're looking ahead to the next 30 years. In the moment, when you look ahead, what's something exciting or important that's happening right now or that's coming up for you? And how do you have to talk to different key stakeholder groups about it? There's something very, very exciting that, that is coming next year. Next year, we're actually 
crossing the 100 million euros revenues. Wow. This is a milestone we were fighting and working and dreaming of since the beginning. And the company is growing very fast. And finally, 2022 is, is the year when we're hitting this. That's amazing. And uh, there's a lot of communication around that because our company think that eight years ago, we were doing 5 million. Wow. So now we're doing 100. So it's a very, very fast transformation. And actually, I always like saying that what got you here won't get you there. Yes. So the people that help us to arrive here in specific positions in the company, they need to adapt to a different company size where we're much more structured. Uh, we have more specific things to do. So there's a lot of communication, explaining, conversations, collaboration necessary for this transition to happen. So we're mm. going from small company or into a large group is uh, in this short period of time is, is a huge challenge. What do you think is the most, or at least one of the most important messages to communicate to, whether it's your employees or your investors or your any other particular stakeholder group with regard to that change? Because the shift from the actual structure, the dynamics of a smaller company to one that's at that scale, obviously, is going to require, like you said, a lot more internal structured creation. And people don't usually like change when it happens. <laughs> so how are you going to get those people on board and comfortable with feeling safe about, but also excited about what these changes might entail? Because mm. we don't want them to resist, but we also don't want them to just say, okay, I know it has to happen. I'm going to brace myself. I'm not going to like it, but I'll deal with it. Like, we want them to be mm. happy about it, or at least positive, not just neutral, much less negative. Mm. How do you do that? It's a tough thing to do. And there are a lot of tough decisions on the way. And for me, what is the most important single element is clarity. So everybody knows what we're doing, why we're doing it, and where we are going. Mm. And whenever things are not working as we want it, or, or we think that a change is needed, we need to sit down and speak frankly with the people involved. I had so many conversations uh, in the last three years with people that actually are holding a position, but this position needs to evolve and we need to put somebody on top of them. That's very difficult conversations. Mm. And somehow, I don't know, it's, we've been able to succeed and uh, manage to make all these changes in, in a very, I would say, uh, in a successful way. Mm. And I think if I look back at that and I'm just like thinking right now what actually worked, I think is that we just speak frankly with people and something which I think is is key element is uh, not only to say what you want to say, but to listen, really listen and understand what's happening to this person. Be able to feel what he's feeling and, and to understand his perspective and have this frank conversation. I'm surprised by people because they might get upset or frustrated or sad or anxious about these type of changes. But when you actually go to the core of that and heart-to-heart -heart conversations, I think there is like a sort of understanding. They understand why we are doing this and they give it a try. And this is something that, you know, we, we use a lot to say, hey, let's give it a try. Let's see how it works. And if it's not working for you, we'll find a solution. One of the beautiful advantages of growing is that you have a lot of opportunities everywhere to say, maybe if you are not comfortable there, we can do it somewhere else. But I think that these deep conversations and really trying to understand and, and accommodate the, the other person's situation is, is, is key. 
Yes, that everyone feels heard. Everyone feels like they matter, not just for the work that they do, but that their their happiness and their comfort is important to you. I think that's something that not a lot of employees often feel. Yes, and you know what? It's a lot of work. It's very time consuming. Sure, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Yes, an investment of time rather than spending time. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So. In doing this, I think there's a lot of important conversations that you'll need to have, obviously. What is something you're really good at and what do you wish you were better at in communication? I think I'm, I'm good at motivating people because I have a lot of passion, you know, yes. very passionate man. I say, hey, we have this project, we're going to do this and that's going to be amazing. And people, you know, get excited and involved into that. So I think that's something that comes naturally to me. Yes. And as also, I think the contrary, the what I need to keep working on is patience. I'm not good at patience. Mm. <laughs> I want things now, happening right now. I think I can relate to that. <laughs> but I, I can understand the importance of timing. And I don't want to say time management because it has completely different meaning. Sure. But of utilizing time in your favor. And, you know, in communication, just having a, a moment of a pause, a silence, in a conversation can change everything. Mm. And also influencing is the same thing. It's just feeling the timing and letting things unfold as they had to do. Uh, so I think there's a lot of power there and it's a power I, I really, really want to harness. And I'm not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's something we're all working on, most definitely. So now, what about role models? Is there anyone who you have listened to over time, whether it was people you worked with, bosses, or more public speakers or celebrities or anyone you knew growing up who was a really good communication role model? And what was special about them? I actually have two. Okay. And two very different ones, I would say. One of them is Tony Robbins, which I like a lot. I'm a big fan. Mm. I love his passion, his authenticity, mm -hmm. how he's able to move people through his emotion, you know? And the other one that I, some, somebody I admire a lot is Nelson Mandela. Mm. And what I like about him it's a completely different communication style. Actually, he, when he talks, you can feel the man behind the speech. Yes. And it's like, uh, it's just express who he is. And I love that. I love this like natural influence way. It's just you work in bettering yourself, in becoming a better man, a better woman, a better human being. And every action you take, every word you say has a lot more impact. Yes, yes. Two incredibly passionate speakers with really solid global leadership lessons to teach, that's for sure. Now, in addressing the various audiences that you've mentioned, and as your company has grown, it's, of course, increased the number of audiences that you speak to and the kinds of audiences that you have, stakeholder groups, etc. Have you had to learn or how have you had to learn to change your approach in communication when addressing different groups? And what do some of those differences look and sound like? I learned the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> How so? Uh, I would say, you know, is when we were developing the company, one of the key things that we had to develop is project finance. So we are building solar projects. So we, we had to finance these projects. And I was, you know, in charge of actually convincing banks to finance our projects. And I arrived, you know, to talk with these bunkers with all my passion and moving my arms, you know, Latino guy. And, yeah. <laughs> like, this project is fantastic. We're doing this and that. And in front of me, you have these guys looking at me and, and saying, all right, yes, very passionate. And what is your business plan? 
show me the numbers. You know? mm. <laughs> and I realized that actually what I was saying was not what they needed to hear. Yes. They needed to hear completely different thing. And, you know, we were fine tuning these conversations. And now actually what I do is I go to my, with, with uh, my financing director, um, giving my passion about our company, what we are doing, what makes Apex special and different from other companies. And uh, he's coming with all the figures. And it's this combination because you cannot do everything. You cannot be good at everything. Yep. But somehow, you know, if you understand what's happening, if you understand what the other side needs to hear, yes. and you can, you know, adapt and organize in a way that you can have effective communications and you can actually influence the other side. Right. So now I'm curious. You mentioned that you were used to speaking with people. Now, number one, you referenced yourself as the Latino guy coming in and talking with all the passion <laughs> and the hands. Who were you speaking to if they weren't also Latinos? Where was this also in France? In France, yes. This was in France. I okay. I was talking to the, the big banks in France, big bankers in France, you know. <laughs> Got it. Got it. And who were you used to speaking to that the passion was enough? the passion and the vision was enough without the business plan and the numbers per se, what audience were you used to speaking to? When you are talking with equity investors mm. and employees and sometimes business partners, sometimes subcontractors, they can feel with this passion and they want to get involved in the project. What I realized is that my passion also, bankers loved it. Sure. Loved it. But they needed also to get something else. Yes. So it's like their passion buckets, you know, was filled, but the numbers and formation and let's go into the details specifically, how this is working, what are the risks, the sensitivity yes. analysis, et cetera, was empty. Mm. And, you know, it's, which is interesting is getting this understanding just before going to an important meeting, you say, hey, let's prepare, you know, preparation, preparation, preparation. Yep. What do they want to hear? What do they need? from us? What do they need to hear from us? How can we actually convince them to get involved into our project? Who needs to be there? How many people and who is playing with role and all this preparation is very valuable. So when you go there, you can have different roles. I love this, you know, playing with roles and bringing different characters that can compensate, equilibrate, you know, the, my passion with his technicality and his expertise, you know, with innovation. And when you get the, the good balance from all these things, it's amazing. Yes. It's very powerful. It sounds like passion for your role in particular was always essential for these different groups, but whether or not the passion was enough yes. was the big shift in going from the bankers and what else they needed, in, not instead of, but in addition to that vision and the passion for the vision, also knowing that you had the numbers was something that needed to be filled in. Is that correct? Exactly. And it's beautiful because you can always be who you are. And I think that if you are who you are, you always are going to be powerful. The minute you start being somebody else because you, you want to fill a position or, you know, be somebody that a banker is going to like or an employee or an investor. So whenever you start to do that, it's not working. That doesn't mean that you can grow and expand and, and develop new things. That's, I think, is basic. But, you know, always being faithful to your core and being smart about how to bring to the table the elements that are needed and you, you don't have right now. Then, Carlos, this takes us to the 24-hour listener influence challenge. So... What I'd love for you to do is to talk directly to our audience for the moment and share with them. I want you to challenge them to take one step 
that they can complete within 24 hours to help them have more influence. <laughs> That's amazing. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? You maybe find a very, very tough one to challenge everybody. <laughs> okay, we're ready. We're ready. Let us have it. All right. I think that this experience, what, what I lived struggling to influence people in very important conversations for myself, I think is something that will add value to people listening. Okay. So my challenge is just pick one conversation, an important conversation that you need to have in the following days or following weeks mm -hmm. and think about the structure and the preparation. So prepare it and say what the other people, the persons in front need to hear, need to be presented so I can influence them, study them. What do they need? How do they operate? And analyze what you can bring to the table. And if you don't have everything, how can you actually get it? Mm. If you cannot do it by yourself, who can actually participate? And just do this. I'm asking a lot. It's not a simple thing that you can do easily, but this is the hard work that is bringing the big results. Yes. So just find a tough one, prepare it, understand what your counterpart needs, and just put together a solid presentation with all the ingredients to succeed. So even if it's just a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody, try to think about what outcome you want from the conversation and what maybe what questions they'll ask, how they might challenge you and uh, try to anticipate all of that and have exactly. as many answers ready to go as possible so that they can't get around it. Yes, you need to know who you are talking to. Yes. And people are influenced by, no, this you need to go. I, I didn't go. Yes, yes. You can influence people by knowing what already influenced them. But I, I don't I don't get it right. It's easier in Spanish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, it's hard for anybody who has to do work in multiple languages because you speak at least three, right? You speak Spanish, you speak English, you speak French. You're living in France now, obviously. So French is the main language of business. Do you speak other languages as well? Italian, a little bit of Italian. Italian. Yes, Malatesta. Malatesta, of course. <laughs> Of course, but it should be maybe buona testa. We want it all to be good, all to be goodness. I always give people so much credit when they have to not only have conversation in a foreign language, but to do business in that other language, mm -hmm. which is the whole different universe of not only grammatical fluency and vocabulary accuracy, but the cultural nuances of being able to live and work and survive in that culture, thrive in it. So you've clearly established that in multiple languages. So you have my utmost admiration and respect as, as a linguist on that front. And jealousy, if I'm going to be totally honest with myself, that you're that good in so many different languages. <laughs> I have a couple languages under my belt, but none of them to that extent, which is humbling, to say the least. Now, let's talk about, so now we know things you've done very well. What's a communication-related mistake that you've made? And if you could have a do-over, what would it have looked like? Yeah, uh, I will always remember that conversation I have with my business associates, business partner, Monday morning, go to his office, open the door, look at his face. He has this face. You can see that he was in a horrible mood. Uh oh. But you know, I'm impatient. So I wanted, I say, hey, we need to get this answer, get this thing validated now. So I said, I didn't listen to my instinct saying it's not the right moment. And I went through, talked to him and it was a disaster. Mm. Really, really, we ended up, you know, yelling at each other, horrible thing. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like a good Monday morning. <laughs> yes. And actually I learned, 
I learned that day that, you know, you need to listen to these clues. If you, mm. you see that the person is, is not in the right mood, just, you know, wait for the good timing. You need to yes. read, learn to read your audience. It's uh, so, so, so important. Yes. When you have the opportunity, not, you, sometimes you have to go through with it right then and there. But when possible, if it if your instincts are saying, this is not a good time, come back later. It's definitely good to listen to that little voice. I agree. And, you know, because I'm in patience, lack of patience has good sides also. Because, you know, I said I cannot wait until my business partner or whoever I need to influence is in a good mood. You know, I, I need I want my results right now. Yes. So I actually started coaching. Mm. I did a certification on coaching uh, so I could actually have an impact on the states of the other people. Yes. So now, you know, I specialize on, on my business partner, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Monday mornings mood. So I look at him, I see he's not in a bad mood. So I go with my coach and I talk to him, I change his state mm. and then he's in a good mood and unconsciously he's thankful with me and say, hey, thank you very much. I was mm. in a bad mood now I'm in, I'm in a great mood and thanks to you. And so what you wanted to talk about and say, ah, you have this decision that needs to be taken. And then you yes. <laughs> it's an amazing timing to actually, you know, influence and get, you know, the results that you want when you help somebody change the state and yeah, they are grateful to you. Yes. Yeah. And that's amazing if you can do it because it's not something most people know how to do. So how to change somebody's mood or change their mental state or emotional state and then bring up what you want to talk to. That I think is definitely something. Is there a resource that you can think of, maybe a website or or a program or something that people could look into if they wanted to learn how to change other people's moods? Yeah, actually, uh, there's a lot of information on the net uh, about, you know, coaching and changing mood. I would say what works with me, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins, so I, I saw his programs. Mm -hmm. There is this uh, coaching certification, which is the Robbins Madames Center. Robbins Madanes Center. Hmm. I learned coaching. It's an online course. It takes like about a year, easy to do it. And it's really, really, really well. Interesting. It's really worth the Nice. Yes. So I will strongly recommend that. Okay. And if there's a link that you can send that, we can always share that in the, in the show notes later on. Now, what about over the course of this last year and a half or so, let's talk about running business in the virtual world. Of course, you can't put solar units on rooftops virtually. You have to actually go and show up for that. But you're otherwise running a lot of the business part of the operations behind the scenes through the virtual medium. How has your virtual presence improved over the last year, your team's presence over the last year? And what would help you and or them be even more successful and more effective on video? Actually, I have to say that thanks to you, oh. because I, I've learned a lot from you, <laughs> Thank you on how to actually present myself in video before I, all the basic things like having a good microphone and a good camera and getting a background that makes sense and getting the camera at eye level, these basic things I, were, I was not doing. It. Mm. But I would say that something that naturally I also got, first to say that virtual is amazing. It's an extraordinary tool. Now we can do things that took a lot of time before because you need to travel to get to a meeting and, you know, all the commuting, et cetera, et cetera. Now just instantly you can talk to whoever you want sure. and have a, you know, a face-to-face -face conversation. It's not the same thing. Face-to-face -face is always better. And that, sure. so it's very important to choose 
which conversation, if you can, which ones to do face-to-face in person and which ones to do through through technology. Sure. But what for me is, is, is maybe an important, I don't know if a tip, but a success factor, I would say, is when the conversation is important, the people on the other side must have cameras on. Mm-hmm. That's something that, you know, we learn and when you are having meeting with multiple people, if cameras are not on, you are wasting your time. Mm. It's, or at least the probability that you are wasting your time is high. And why do you think that is? Why is it if the camera's off, the meeting becomes more of a waste of time? That's a really strong statement. Why do you think it makes such a big difference? Because you have your computer or your telephone at hand. It's so many billions of distractions, you know, at your fingertips. Uh, you can check your emails. You can just quickly check something on the internet. Somebody send you a Teams message. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get distracted. So when the camera, uh, nobody's looking at you. So maybe you can also go get a glass of water or, or something and the other person keeps talking and thinking that you are there. You know? <laughs> so when you have the cameras on, you are looking at the people's eyes. You have so much more connection. And somehow this is forcing the other person to stay there and put attention. Yes. And if you see, you can see if the attention is drifting away and you can, you know, do whatever it takes to get attention back. Yes. The importance of eye contact, right? Even whether it's virtually or otherwise, when you can make that eye contact with somebody, it just ups the game. And of course, proves that you're physically present, which is always a nice thing when you're think you're talking to a person only to find out that they're not actually there. <laughs> that would be a very awkward realization in the moment. Now, what about succession planning? When you're thinking about how to grow this company, as you've mentioned, Apex Synergies is growing extremely quickly. So you're looking to promote a lot of candidates from within, and I'm sure you're also looking at hiring people externally. What would be something that would disqualify a technically qualified employee from getting a higher leadership role? I see the capacity to manage, to lead, to influence people. As I said before, what got you here won't get you there. Yeah, John Maxwell's book. Yeah, you, you want to give the promotion to the best operator, but the best operator is not necessarily the best manager. Mm-hmm. Necessarily the one that has the capacity to lead yes. and to actually make other people do what he does. Mm. This is a huge issue and it's very tough conversations when you have your best operator not being promoted because he don't have he doesn't have this disability stuff mm. so it's uh what we really want to do is uh, when you have somebody with potential you need to start anticipating this from the very beginning as early as possible and let people understand what is needed to get to the next position so they know that they need to develop their communication skills their influencing skills their leadership capacity yes they need to work on themselves to become better you know greater women greater men as uh, so they, they are going to be able to lead Yes. Now, you mentioned in when we were speaking a couple of days ago, there's a term in French for that leadership image. What was that term you used? We were talking about executive presence in English. What do they call it in French? Actually, that's a beautiful thing. You know, in France, you say la posture, the posture of a leader is literal. You are talking about how you stand, how you position your body, how, you know, the posture, mm-hmm. physical posture of a leader. So it's not referring to the physical posture. It's just language. It refers to how your capacity to lead. Mm. But I love that it's, you know, translated to English directly is how you stand. Yes, yes. I mean, we have the phrase of posturing, but that usually tends to have a less authentic feeling to it. But the idea of there's your 
we say presence, right? The executive presence that someone's yes. talking about, that someone has or demonstrates. And I love the beauty of the, the French term of just the posture for it. <laughs> now, this is my last question for you. Carlos, if you were asked to give the commencement address at a high school graduation ceremony, what advice would you give the students, whether or not they go to college, regardless of their major or their career goals? What's the one thing they have to do to be successful in life? That's very easy. Very easy. This one single most important thing is invest on yourself. Mm. Work on yourself. You are the most valuable asset that you have. Everything that you are going to achieve in your life will come from you. The job that you're going to get is you who's going to get it. The wife or husband that you're going to get is you who's going to get it. And, you know, the bigger man, the bigger woman that you are, the bigger impact that we'll have. Every single action from a bigger man, a bigger woman, a stronger man, a stronger woman, will have so much more impact. This is, for me, key. If you just want to do one thing, is just keep growing, keep investing and working on yourself. Yes, yes. Invest in yourself. Invest in yourself. Beautiful advice to all of us, really, not just a bunch of high school seniors who are about to graduate into the real world or surreal world, depending on your perception. But uh, yes, invest in yourself. I love it. Carlos, how can people learn more about you and Apex Energies? Uh, you can take a look at our website, Apex Energies, www.apexenergy.fr, which means France. Mm. And for me, it's uh, carlosmalatesta.com. All right. So we'll put both of those websites, of course, in the show notes. So thank you for sharing those with us. And thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and experiences with us as well. Thank you very much, Laura, for having me here. I have a lot of fun. It's uh, very easy to talk to you. And so and I hope that my experience is going to be useful for somebody else and will help them grow and, and become better influencers. And congratulations on that amazing milestone of a hundred million euro revenue mark. That, that's incredible growth. Thank you very much. I'm very excited. Yes, yes. <laughs> and to everybody else out there listening, as always, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you have not done so yet, so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my guide, my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. 
No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.